There was a wife, and she was suing her husband for divorce, and she accused her husband for the reason that she was getting divorced and not speaking to her for five years. And the judge was just perplexed, and he asked her what, or asked him, what have you had to say for yourself? Why would you not speak to your wife for five years? And the husband replied meekly, I just didn't want to interrupt. The other night, Lindsay and I were trying to go to bed. Well, Lindsay was trying to go to bed, and I was and I was just really chatty. And I was talking, and she was telling me to shut up a lot. And she, from the other side of the bed, when I asked, what should my sermon be about this week, because that's what I lay there thinking about a lot of the time, she replied to me, know when to shut up. And I thought, that's a great idea for a sermon. So today we're going to talk about how we need to know when to shut up and listen to God, to hear his voice. All too often we think of prayer as us just going and giving a list of things we want, which is a part of prayer. But I think we often just view God as Santa Claus. And we go to him and we want to tell him what we want so that we will get it. He will give it to us. And I believe that God loves to bless his followers. But when we turn prayer into us just treating God like Santa Claus, we miss out on a lot. When we just go to God with what we want. We miss hearing God's voice. And this step one, I think, to recognizing that God wants to speak to us today is one, we just need to realize he does speak to us through scripture, but that isn't where it stops. He also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And I want to explore that latter idea today, that God still speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught this. Through these things, I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I so Jesus is telling his followers that even though he's going to die and leave this earth, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and that's going to be great, and they should be rejoicing about it. But he uses this word to describe the Holy Spirit, and he says the word helper. This was supposed to be good news to them, but they weren't quite getting it yet. But the word we translate helper here, actually, somebody sent me a question a few weeks back and asked me like, if I knew anything about that word, and I didn't, so I had to do some research. And anyways, the word helper here actually could be just totally translated lawyer. The word that we translate helper was the word that they literally used to call lawyers in their time. And if we would get rid of all the negative stereotypes we may have of lawyers, just if we have them for a second, and start thinking, like, what is the good lawyer? What does a good lawyer do? A good lawyer, the helper, he represents you before a judge. And a good lawyer lets you know what you should and shouldn't be doing. A good lawyer who's looking out for his client helps him or understand all things that are going on. A good lawyer will actually answer your call when you are in trouble wherever it is. And these are really characteristics of the Holy Spirit. So when we call the Holy Spirit a helper, he's actually like the really good lawyer. Yet sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts us when we listen to him to do things that we feel is a little crazy. Paul explained it like this. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret 
and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And there are more places in Scripture, I actually had to like limit, I had way too many scripture when I was working on this verse or this past this sermon and there is so many places in scripture where this idea of the spirit instructing us is taught where the idea of the spirit teaching us is taught where the, the idea that the spirit gives us words to say the spirit inspiring us leading us guiding us teaching us instructing us all these things is a common theme throughout the teachings of the New Testament and many Christians today have denied the working of the spirit and they deny it with their thoughts, and they deny it with their teaching, and, and they stifle the Holy Spirit. When you limit the Holy Spirit, as our movement has at times, to just salvation, you are stifling the Spirit. When you claim that the Spirit won't do miracles or speak to people anymore, you're stifling the Spirit. But I will be generous to these people. I think God can work through these people having bad thoughts, and He still works through them to bring about His will. But I don't want us to be concerned with what kind of bad thoughts can we have in order to still have God work with us. I want us to actually figure out what God wants to do in us. Because trying to figure out just the minimum I have to believe in order for God to work is the wrong idea. Because that's flirting with ideas I think that quench the Spirit. Instead, I want us to fan to flame the Holy Spirit. I want us to respond with a yes to His promptings. I want us to hear his voice and be guided into the paths he is calling us toward. God is not confined to scripture. His, it's not a prison to him. God came and he dwells in us as the Holy Spirit. The spirit that is in me is in you. And that same spirit is in the heart of God. That's rather impressive if we think about it. That spirit, he knows all. He guides all who are responsive to him, and he helps in all things. I want us to get so in tune with the Holy Spirit that even when we are in the loudest places like a sporting event, or the saddest places like the death of a loved one, or the most stressful places like the losing of a job or failing a test or some other heart-wrenching moment, even when we're in those moments that life gives us, I want us to be so in tune with God that we can still hear the Holy Spirit talking to us. That we can hear the Holy Spirit comforting us. That we can allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. For it is in those most troubling situations 
that we really need that comfort and guidance most. And I think sadly, often, I see it time and time again with the life of Christians, it's in those most stressing moments that we turn our back on God. And we feel he's betrayed us, so we quit listening. But what happens if we listen to God's voice, even during all those moments, even if we listen to God's voice during our deepest valleys, we may find out that that valley is actually a mountaintop where we can experience God on. So we need to know when to sh We need to know when we need to go into silence and listen to God. The Psalms hit on it. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And I like the way the psalm ends. It goes, Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. And here's another psalm. Again, I had to limit my psalm picking because it's all over the place. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of the hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And Jesus modeled this practice of being still, of silence. Passages, I mean, what I noticed is these are three of the different Gospels. They make note of this. But he, that's Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountains by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Now, I want to give a warning, because I think we have this misconception at times. Maybe it's New Ages, it's permeated our culture, I don't know. But we have this misconception where spirituality is best expressed by meditating on a cliffside with the sun at the perfect moment where you can take a great picture and post it on Instagram. Or a quiet place where we can just focus on God and we create this serene place maybe in our house or wherever it is in nature. And it's true. Jesus did go into solitude to recharge. He modeled it for us and all, three of the gospel writers thought it was important enough to note and to tell us about it. And we need that recharging. We need to follow that example and spend time in solitude to recharge. But that is not the goal of our spiritual life. We recharge in order to spend our spiritual energy doing God's will. We recharge in solitude and there we realize that God is filling us up with the Spirit to be His influence among the chaos. His love and His presence empowers us and dwells in us in ways that nothing else can. And then He fills us so much that it should overflow from us. And learning to listen to God is difficult at first. But the difficulty isn't on God's end. It's us. It's the way we have learned to tune Him out. I think sometimes we're on the wrong channel. And then when we start listening, we can quickly turn around and just stifle him by not doing what he prompts us to do. Because we often know what God wants us to do. The Spirit's working in our lives, telling us what God wants us to do. And we just say, no way, God. I don't want that. I want this. 
knowing God, that, that, that looks a little crazy. And so we tell God we have a better plan. But instead, we must be people who hear God's voice and does what he wants us to do. But I think listening to God does get easier over time. I remember the first time when I just became a Christian when I was in college, and God inspired me to give money to a cause. And I didn't want to give money. That was my money. And I think that with offering now, like, man, I give away vacations and tithing to the church. And, and, and it's tough at times, like, if you think about it in that way. But then I came to the recognition that God, this is his money, and God is working. And so I faithfully, I remember the first time when I faithfully gave to the cause God prompted me to give to. And this is the beauty of what happens when we learn to listen and then obey the voice of God. At first, the things we are asked to do, they seem really crazy. But then over time, the crazy becomes normal. And we start getting excited to be part of what God is doing and we see God work. We've seen positive outcomes come from God leading us to do things. And we come to the realization that this is exactly how God works. This is exactly how God changes our lives. And this is exactly how God changes the world around us. By us just saying, yes, God, I'm going to do that thing you're prompting me to do. So the Holy Spirit prompts us to change us, to change the world around us. And we just have to say yes. So we have this shift then from this point where maybe we're not listening to God right now. And so we're hesitant to do what he says for us to do. We don't want what wants us to do. We have all these excuses on why we aren't going to do it, but then it shifts to this place where we've said yes to what God wants us to do. We see that God's doing great things through guiding us, and then we get excited when he calls us to do something that might be uncomfortable or awkward or out of our norm, because we know from past experiences that that's exactly how God does great things, and we're excited to do the crazy thing, because we know God is going to do amazing things through it. And so it gets easier to be faithful on the irrational callings of God once we've been faithful because we know it's through that that God does great things. There's a story from a guy named Parker Palmer as told by Marcus Borg. And I, when I was taught in school how to preach, I was told to give um, illustrations three years rest between using them. So if you hear this illustration and think, he just used this in last November, you're right. I'm breaking the rules. It fit too well. And I just thought, I'm going to use it again. It's a story about a three-year-old girl who was the only child in her family. And her mom became pregnant. And this three-year-old girl was very excited, as any kids are usually, that they were going to have a new baby in the house. They were going to be a big sister. And then the day came, the family went to the hospital, the baby was delivered, and then they came home. And they, she had her new baby brother. And the little girl was just delighted to have a baby brother. But after they'd been home for a couple of hours, the little girl told her parents that she wanted to be alone with the baby in the baby's room. Alone, with the door shut. She was absolutely insistent that she needed the door shut. And it kind of gave her parents, you know, like they were a little scared. They, they knew she was a good girl, but they've heard weird stories about kids being mean to siblings. And then they remembered that they had installed an intercom system, which was the old 60s way of having a monitor, if you don't know what an intercom system is, in preparation for the arrival of the new baby. They had it installed. 
and they realized that they could let their girl go in and do this and they could listen closely on the monitor to see what was happening and if anything bad happened they could be there in a flash so they decided to let their little girl go into the room with the baby and shut the door and they she was there alone so they raced to the intercom to hear what was going on and they heard the footsteps move across the room they imagined her standing over the baby's crib and then they hear her say to her two-day-old baby brother, tell me about God, because I've almost forgotten. Now that's just a story, and I don't know if there's truth in newborns knowing God that way at all. But with that little girl, there was that sense of wonder. There was that desire to know God. And those are all things that each one of us would benefit from having more of. The question we are faced with is whether we are going to continue to grow closer to God throughout our lives or whether we're going to just allow ourselves to drift away. Because if we don't make a conscious decision to grow closer to God, if we don't do what he's calling us to do, we are making a decision to just drift away. The choice is ours. And we make little decisions every day, all day long, choosing which direction we're going in. We're making little decisions about whether we're going to be faithful to what God's prompting us to do all the time. And we can go in all sorts of wrong directions, or we can go in that right direction, the one direction toward God and grow closer to Him. Whether we're going to listen to all the calls of this world, or we're going to learn to listen to the Spirit whether we're going to act on all the things that the world wants us to do or whether we're going to act on what the Holy Spirit is guiding us to be. Paul wrote this. Now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Christian culture will try to convince us that the way we grow closer to God is through following the laws. We might have new laws these days, but we still have our own laws, it seems like, and that approach is wrong. Laws will not get you closer to God. You could be the most moral person around. You could be everybody in a Bible trivia contest, yet you could be just as far away from God as the most immoral person you know. God wants us all to be close to him. God wants you to be close to Him. And that comes through the gift of the Holy Spirit, not any of our works. He wants you to be His. He wants to dwell in you, and He wants to guide you. He wants to talk with you and live with you and through you. There are no laws that we could follow that would bring that about. That only comes through us having a willing heart that only comes through us being willing to listen. And that only comes to us being open to the Holy Spirit leading us. And then follow that all up with a willingness to act on His promises or promptings. Because God wants us all to be different than we, who we are today. And He's already working on us to be that. God wants to dwell in us and guide us. And he's already paid all the cost for that to happen. He wants you to know when to shut up, 
to listen to him, say yes to him, and then live out the life he is leading you to live. When we stop listening and hearing what God is saying through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit, when we stop hearing God's voice, we're dying spiritually. We may continue to live off fumes of a past encounter with God, but that won't last. It never does. If we stop listening through Scripture, we'll start being tossed every way, and, and, and we might follow foolish doctrines. But if we stop listening through the Holy Spirit, then our lives will be fruitless. We'll lack any effectiveness in our relationship with God, having an impact on ourselves and the world around us. But when we start listening and obeying what God is saying through Scripture and through the Spirit, we start truly living, truly becoming alive, and being who we were destined to always be. So we need to know when to shut up. My wife gave me a lot of wisdom that night. We need to learn to listen. And then we need to learn to truly live. Because God is alive, God is active, and God wants to be part of each one of our lives. Let's say yes and see what he's going to do through us when we do that. At this time, you can come forward for prayer. Um, I'll ask um, Tasha and Raleigh. Oh, I should ask Stacy. Tasha and Stacy to be up here. Her boy said she needed to be chosen. So um, if you need prayer, Tasha and Stacy will be up here to pray for you. Whether it's anything in your life, healing, a situation, whatever it is, they will gladly pray with you. Um, and the one thing I like about God and the way he works in us, I mean, although I think coming forward at special times is like a step of faith, but God can work whenever and however, whenever we're willing. So if you need to take that step of faith, though, and have that tangible moment, it's a good thing. So take that and come and get prayer. Um, let us pray. Father, I thank you for your spirit who dwells in us, who guides us. And I pray that we would just be open to listening and that we would be open to saying yes. And that I just pray that you would lay on the hearts of people in our church some crazy things this week that would be challenging and that we would say yes to them and that we would be able to see you do incredible things, which then would make it easier for us to say yes next week. Um, just help us to be faithful in all that you call us to. In your sin's name we pray. Amen.